is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Yes, our uh, ongoing series um, on well-being, vocational well-being. It's, it's uh, I found it quite a challenge doing vocational well-being. There it is. That's yeah, working too. Plans come together. There they are. So I've got a timer just to put you at ease. I don't look at it, because I undermine that a little bit, but here we are, uh, just, uh, just to uh, try and keep myself on track a little. Vocational uh, well-being. When Christians ask about vocation, uh, it's an interesting word, you can't find it in the Bible. So are we into heresy here? No, we're not. It's okay. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's vocational well-being. Uh, when we start looking at it and thinking about it, um, quite often we're referring to, oh, what's my vocation? When you look at look the word up in the dictionary, there, there is this sense of call and purpose. What is it am I called to do? What is it that you called to do? What do you feel God's called you to do? We'll have a look at a number of those sorts of uh, things, thoughts, pro processes, um, uh, I would like to call them. But uh, when we're having a look at uh, the call of God, and what type of things God would want us to do. Um, the other part of that call is to think about well-being. We had the dials up, didn't we? And, and, and thinking about on those dials, where would I be? How do I measure myself? What does success look like? That's not biblical at all, really, what does success look like? What does godliness look like, perhaps, on those places of well-being? Would be a better place to be thinking and considering. So as we look into uh, this, this whole vocational piece, it's so much more than the work we do. And a little bit like the health pieces and, uh, uh, and uh, emotional well-being that we've looked at so far, they're so interlinked, aren't they? It's, it's very difficult just to segment a part of your life and think, it's that bit, because all of those things seem to interreact and relate to one another, cause us to stumble or to lift us up uh, in the way that we are working. So when we're looking at well, vocational well-being, yes, we are going to be looking at work, but so much more than that. So I've broken this down into my three key areas, so that there's another slide that's, that looks at call, work-life balance, and working. So those are the three uh, points that I've got. I started off with nine. Okay, <laughs> had to had to thin it out somewhat. Uh, so uh, we're, here we are with with my, my three points. Now the first one, uh, looking at call, calling to follow Christ, lies at the root of everything we do. And it would be completely wrong to start thinking of work or the jobs that we do in the context uh, outside of that call to follow Christ. Uh, Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I thought it was wonderful this morning that in the songs that we were singing, God's purpose came out. 
fantastic. Because God's got a purpose for us. We're not on a trash heap, we've got a purpose for us, etc. Now the first part of that verse starts talking about, we know that all things work for God. Okay, things. And we know that in all things, God works for good. Right, so let's get those words right, because that's the bit I wanted to concentrate on a little. God works for good. So when we're looking at vocation and work, work is something to do with the image of God, because God works. If you're godly, then you'll work. And as we start unpacking this piece, really the whole idea of work is a privilege and a wonder and stirs us up to be able to do amazing things. God has created us, we'll see the scriptures about how God created us for work. So if you're having life without work, you're missing out on the wonder of work that God has called us to. There's a purpose in it. God has a purpose for us in the midst of our work. The calling to belong to Christ goes deeper than the workplace though. This call that God has put in us, uh, for this reason, it's important that we don't just go off and just look at work. Um, we are called, first of all, to be in Christ and to follow Christ and to do God's will. We are part of the redemptive action of God to restore all of his creation to himself. So when the fall happened, it wasn't just mankind's fall, but sin entered the world and decay and so forth. When Christ died and rose again, he put in motion this whole restoring redemption of mankind and the world. And that's our call. That's the purpose of church. Church is the gathering of people who further the kingdom of God on heaven and restore the amazing glory of God and his ways and purposes, his holiness into a fallen world. So when we're having a look at our call, really our vocation, what is a vocation? What's the vocation of every Christian in the room? And it must be to glorify God and walk humbly and faithfully with and in him. If you want to know what your vocation is, and you want to go, oh, what, what's the job you want me to do, Lord? That's the job he wants you to do. <laughs> there is nothing more important than this. Pausing on, but there's nothing more important than this morning. Wasn't it so easy to worship God this morning? Wasn't it so easy? The band did so well. We were caught up in God's presence, etc. Am I like that in the workplace? Am I like that in the home? Am I like that in my marriage? Am I like that? Because actually, that's me being Christ in life. And that's what we're called to be. So when we're having a look at the call for my very person, what I'm meant to be in Christ, we, we mustn't miss out on that even when I'm at work, that's what I've got to be. So there is a call to work, um, there's a slide of a call to work, and God created uh, people to work. At the beginning of the Bible, God builds work into the essence of humanity. He creates people in his own image. He himself is a worker. We see that six days. And on the seventh day, rested. 
God is a worker and God created us in his image. We are never going to be satisfied unless we're doing some form of work. Now I'm not talking about paid work and we'll come into that later on. But what we are talking about, if I'm not active doing something, if I am idle, etc. What does that mean? And we can be idle in many different ways. Um, this, this is a real blessing to me. My iPad is a real blessing to me. I've got to say, I can do so many things on it. And you can't have idle hands when you're working one, can you? Well, I think you can. I think it can occupy my thinking and amuse me, etc., for hours. So it could have been spent praying to the Lord and following the Lord and reading scripture and blessing other people, ringing up, encouraging, etc. I think it could consume an awful lot of my time that actually would not be furthering the kingdom. So it's a great tool, but is it really helpful? Well, it is today because it's got my notes on and I'm preaching from my notes, etc. It's fantastic. But all of these things have to be, you have to, you have to measure and use these things carefully, don't you? Because otherwise, am I really fulfilling the call? So there is a call to work, and um, he puts uh, Adam in the garden for the purpose of working. Later, in various parts of Scripture, God commands people to work. Six days you shall work, etc. Uh, uh, and when we're having a look at the Bible, it does talk about you know work in the, work in the garden of Eden. I thought it was perfect already. But actually, when we have a look at the next Scripture, uh, Genesis 1, verses 27 to 28, God put Adam, in the, Adam and Eve in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them jobs to do. When we have a look at a new heaven and a new earth, I've got to shock you that actually there'll be work to do. What? I thought it was retirement. I thought it was, I thought it was just easy. No, no. Let's have a read of Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that moves on the ground. These are very active words. <laughs> You're in the garden for purpose. It's to rule, it's to subdue, it is to manage the garden wonderful manage all of that and multiply it and and there they were what a wonderful I, I thought what a wonderful place to work walking through a garden where there's no sin no decay nothing like that no death it's just flowing and you're walking with god in the evening and you're fellowshipping, and you're in love, etc. Let's not go on the naked thing. I can't go on the, uh, at the moment. It's just, but it's one of those things that, oh, what a wonderful place to work. Can you imagine being in a workplace where only encouragement, only blessing, only unity, where there's all rejoicing and there's fellowship with, what a great place to work. So what, this, this is, this is uh, uh, the ideal. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, here we are into uh, uh, New Testament, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, that one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So there, there's, 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 hold on a moment, that's a bit heavy, isn't it, Paul? That's a bit heavy. Uh, but when we're looking at the principle of work, 
Why does God want us to work? It's always for our good, isn't it? When God wants us to do something, it's never for him because he's got everything. He's okay. He's quite self-sufficient, you know. So when God asks us to do things, it's always for our good. The purpose is because it's good for me. Uh, and when uh, we see scriptures like this that actually get a little bit legalistic, we can take it the wrong way. Because actually this, is, this word talks about hey, being able to meet one's own needs because it's good for us. God created us as workers and he commanded us to work. Even if, even if he doesn't email you a job, here, this one's for you. Where did that come from? I don't know. Even if someone doesn't knock on your door and say, hey, I've got a job for you. I've had phone calls in the past where people have rung me up and offered me work when I was self-employed. And it was absolutely the provision of God. So I'm not saying those things can't happen, right? But they, because they can. But even if he doesn't do that, then we are called to work. So my, 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 uh, my, my second point was, just checking, yeah. My second point, uh, I'm on time, it's on schedule, it's working well. Work-life balance is one of those things. Uh, although we are focusing on, uh, on the call to work, um, it's only one element of well-being. When we looked at all of the other elements, work on its own, we have to actually embrace the fact that the job that we do, and, and may not be employed or anything like that, I'm not saying that the only work you do is if you're going out and getting money for it. There's lots of other different um, jobs we can do. In Colossians 3.17 it says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. So whatever we do, we need to do it in a way that glorifies God and give thanks to God for it. Now our jobs are not necessarily the most important aspect of our calling to serve Christ. So first of all, we have to remember that actually a job mustn't be dominant. It mustn't dominate all the other things that we're doing. It's quite easy in, in certain instances, you can, you can get caught up in a work. It doesn't have to be paid work, it could be, it could be all sorts of charitable work, it can be all sorts of things. But because the need is so great, and I'm going to talk about needs a little bit more, because needs are so great, it can consume you. It can leave no time for other things. The need is huge. And in fact, the needs of this world are so huge outside of God, they could not be met. And I'm not called to be God in that situation where I'm all bountiful and meeting everybody's needs. So I've got to be able to balance that serving and meeting needs with the other parts of my life. They must not, um, they must not hinder me from looking after my children, looking after my wife, being part of a fellowship, etc. So we're looking that they should not dominate. We must remember that, God, that work is not limited to this paid work. God quite often calls people to raise children, to support disabled family members, to be doing things in their neighbourhoods that are actually supporting, looking after a neighbour who's going through trials. There's lots of things that we could do that would actually be classed as work as far as you know, scripture is concerned. You know, at the end of the week... God didn't come and pay Adam and Eve. 
right? It's not, that's not how this is. When we're looking at work, it doesn't have to be that way. So we're looking at a work-life balance where even if you are called, maybe, some of us are called to be married, some of us aren't, if you're, if you're starting to look at Paul's uh, uh, ideas, etc., celibacy and all sorts of things, what are you called to? What are we called to? It might be that we're called to be married, and if you are, wonderful. Um, if you're not, wonderful, because God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And it might be that you're, you're, you're called to run a small business. God's opened up an opportunity for you to be self-employed. And one of the challenges in the midst of that has to be, how do I segment my time so that this is work, this is family, this is church, or a little bit of left for me. I need the balance. And so often it's so easy for work, <laughs> that job bit, to take over. But the, the, I, I, one of the little secrets in my study, one of the greatest things is usually it's the need that takes over. It's the need that takes over. Whether it's in your family, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's a neighbour, whether it's a family, whether it's an illness, it's the need that takes over and your need to be able to fulfil that need. Sometimes there's no space for God to come in and help with that. So we, we have to be really careful when we're looking at the workplace and how it can take over. Uh, I, you know, there, there's, no, there's no balancing act, there's no formula in the Bible. It's, I can't see any maths in the Bible very often. Really. There are, there's a whole book of numbers, but actually when you're having a look at the multiplication, when you're doing a formula, I, I can't find a formula that actually says, this is the one, this is the one, this is how to manage your life. These are the segments you need, these are the percentages that you need, these are the hours of the day that would put it in. No, 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 no. God's not like that. He's full of spontaneity and engagement and walking with God in these sorts of things. So a really important when we're looking at the that 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 arena of life that work-life balance. Wouldn't it be nice? Got some balance in your life. Is it feeling order? Is it chaotic? Do you know what's going to happen from one day to the next? You know? Um, we're talking about balance and having some order. So uh we're moving into my whole work piece now, okay, working. And uh, how does God guide people into what work you should do? It'd be great if he had email, wouldn't it? He could just send it to me. And then I'd really have no doubt, okay. But the challenge is the call to work. It doesn't say what work. And in fact, uh, in the study that I was doing for this, uh, around about 100 people and less, God actually called for specific tasks in this sort of context. And in that, I'm including someone being called to actually go on a journey. <laughs> so when you're having a look at job functions, you know, David to be anointed as king, Samuel as the prophet, there's less than a hundred of them in the whole of scripture, 66 books, and there's about a hundred. So what's the chances you're going to say, actually, what I'd like you to do <laughs> is to be a nurse to be a doctor, to be a teacher, to be a this, that and the other. Now, you don't need it written on a wall, do you? Quite often this can be our heart's desire and God places that on your heart. You're in a prayer meeting and someone brings a word 
or a spiritual gift is operating, and you're thinking, oh, that's for me. You know, I feel that people are called to serve in this area or called to serve in that area. And you're thinking, yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I've got a bit of that. And quite often that's God meeting your desire <laughs> and create, helping to create or nurture that desire. Because he's a loving father. He loves it when his children have got a heart. He wants to bless you in that. He wants to encourage you in that. He wants you to grow in gifts and skill. It's just wonderful. Rather than. Now, sometimes there's a call of God on people's lives un unmistakable. And how do we notice that when it happens? Well, quite often it happens because it meets a need. Right? So one of my, 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 one of my areas is uh, under this working is needs. So one of the first things I've got to do as an individual, I've got a responsibility, isn't it lovely? God gives you things to look after. Sometimes he gives us people to look after. And that's why my fundamental basic needs come in. Earning a living to support yourself and your family is one of the examples mentioned in the Bible that why we need to go out and do that work that gets paid. When we have a look at the scripture, um, it's, it's 1 Timothy 5.8. And um, I was looking for the best one. I had one or two, but they were weak. And then this one came up and, in the study. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, 1 Timothy 5.8, anybody who does not provide for their relatives, especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I thought, goodness me, the New Testament can really get stroppy. It can't hear. Goodness, I thought all that heavy stuff was in the Old Testament. And here I am reading a grace-filled New Testament, and they're being quite straightforward, quite encouraging. Because right? sometimes we can take it as, as, what's this person trying to, what's he trying to teach here? Well, actually, I need to fulfill the needs. And it comes under needs. What are, the, what are my personal needs? before God, in my worship, in my reading of scripture, in my prayer. See, we don't have to be just financial. The needs are massive. You know, quite often my children need a hug more than they need a gift. So when we're having a look at meeting needs, the first one is myself and those around me close by. What are the needs? What am I providing? Um, my other scripture there was um, Proverbs uh, 14.21. And what it does is it expands that from my immediate needs to those needs that I see around me. So in Proverbs, what we see, it says, um, It is a sin to despise one's neighbour, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. So one of the things that we're doing as a church is this love diary. How do you show the love? Remember, the whole idea of our vocation is to demonstrate something of the redemptive heart of God to our nation, to our loved ones, to those around us. So in this, this piece of Proverbs, when we're going out and doing love derby, what are we doing? We're demonstrating something of the love. We're trying to meet the needs that we see in our society. We can do it individually when we see that a neighbour, perhaps, is... Finding things difficult. Maybe they've got a loved one that's ill, or they're housebound because of COVID, or whatever else it might be. But we can see that need. 
what are we going to go and do, what are we going to do about meeting that need? How do we demonstrate the love that is in us for those around us? And that's that's the, that's the, the the basic idea of our vocation is to meet need. And sometimes that's going out and getting paid employment, etc. It quite often is part of the package of meeting a need. But it's certainly not the whole package, because we have to continually bring it back to, how am I living this in Christ? How am I living through this for the love that God has for me? So my, my, my area B, A, B and C, for my last piece of working, has to do with, yeah, has to do with skills and gifts. So God gives us skills and gifts. When I look around, I already know some of your skills. I already know some of your gifts. I see you exercising them on even on a Sunday, whether it be music, whether it be technical, whether it be welcoming smiles. I see you exercising gifts and skills that you've got. Children's ministry is happening every week. There's so many things where people are using their skills and they're using their gifts to do what? To meet needs. So when we're having a look at the vocation here, how am I using my skills and my gifts to glorify God and serve and meet needs? So if you're wondering, goodness me this morning, what needs are there? Well, we've got a list. <laughs> and we have a list for when we go and do love for Derby. But when we're looking around the church, there's plenty, plenty of needs. Plenty of needs. We could always look at how we're going to use your gifts. How you are going to use your gifts to glorify God. And some of that could be on a Sunday morning. Some of it could be in life group. Some of it could be knocking on your neighbour's door. How are you going to use your skills and your gifts? Romans 12, 6-8 says, We have different gifts. Not limited to these, by the way according to the grace given to each of us. So God gives us, according to his amazing grace, gifts. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's not the limit. Some of you have got gifts. I wonder what your gifts are. It's great to give thanks to God for the gifts that you've got. God has gifted you for purpose. He's got a purpose, got a plan. Isn't it wonderful when God's got a plan? Am I walking in those? How do I exercise my gifts so that it grows? Well, I'm going to use them. I wonder what yours are. I know that you've all got them. Why? Because God said so. He just, we just read it. You've got gifts. And he's given them to you because he's gracious. And he wants you as children to grow in those gifts so that the needs of the world might be met. The greatest need of the world? The greatest need of the world is to know who? It's the greatest need. Here we are. You're all images of Christ. Why? Because he's in you this morning. He's in you. And uh, when, they, when, when people look at you, they know you're a little different. That's not odd. It's just a little different. 
and the difference should be wonderful. The distance should be puzzling. Why? Because we're not of this world, we're of a different kingdom, we're part of Christ, united with him, in him in us, and us in him. And we're one with the Father in that. Hey, I suggest, no, that, that could have been a gospel message then, but we're just going to keep to the skills and gifts. How are you using them and do you feel that that's fruitful? And how are you looking for other opportunities? If you're not using them at work, fine. Because as we said, that may not be the main call for you to show Christ to others, might not be in the workplace. We're expecting it to work there, but the main call on your life might be outside. It might be in other charitable works. It might be serving in a help centre. It could be. Now, one of the words that's in my, one of my scriptures is, as much as you are able, right? As much as you are able. I wonder what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. Because sometimes I'm not able to do that because my personal situation. It might be that, you know, you've got children, etc., or little children, and they, they've got lots of needs, etc., and it limits you to do some of the things you think God's calling you to do. So at the moment, it might be the case that I'm not, I'm, I'm not able to do that. I'd like to do that, but I'm not able to do that. Now, God can quite often enable you. In fact, he delights in making the impossible possible. Right, so if, if you're thinking, oh, I think God's calling that, but I don't think it feel I'm able. Well, actually, that's just the sort of adventure God loves to take you on. He really does. In fact, sometimes uh, uh, jobs come up, and uh, uh, and uh, I've had it in the past where a boss will say, oh, Paul, I think you should apply for this. Really? I don't feel capable of doing that. And it's only when you get into that job, and they've given it to you, even though you didn't. And God equips you to be able to do it, and helps you to shine. And that's where the miraculous power of God comes in. What skills and gifts have you got, and how are you doing that? My last piece was your deepest desire. So um, deepest or truest desire. Uh, it says in scripture, Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if a father, you, you, some of us have got children, etc., we're thoroughly blessed like that and challenged. So one of those things, not the one present, by the way, I've got to say, she's delightful, she's not a challenge. So, so, but, but when you've got children, or you've got just family generally, anybody got any family that could be challenging? Come on. So, as human beings, we're all pretty cha unchallenging, so um, you could ask Anne, but uh, no, please don't. So when, when we're having a look at uh, the desires of our heart, what does that look like? So as, as, as someone, if you love someone, if you love someone, you like to bless them. You like to give them a treat, and actually the best treats you can give them are the things that they want. So you can go out of your way to find out what they like. And you get a treat that is just meets your need, you know, that is really sweet to you. Now, if we know how to give good gifts, we know that the Father knows how to give good gifts, don't we? Okay? And uh, so, so what we, we read here is, Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I have to put two caveats in that statement. First of all, are you delighting in the Lord? Pausing on purpose, because well, some of the things, are we out there meeting needs? Are we out there being Christ? Are we, are we delighting the Lord? Because that delights the Lord when we are with him and fellowshipping with him and walking in his plans and purposes. 
Now, I'm not saying that, that uh, God wouldn't want to bless you, even when you're not doing that, because actually he blesses me even when I'm not doing that. But the second part of this is the desires of your heart, your deepest desires. I wonder what your deepest desires are. In the context of vocational, it could be I want to earn enough money so that I can retire and lie on a beach, like a beach whale, and stay there for a couple of years in retirement. Wonderful. I've got to tell you, I can't see that being in God's plan. Why? Because he's called us to work. It's a challenge. He's called us to work, so is, these gonna, if, is he going to fulfill that as my deepest desire? I feel not, because I don't think it's godly. I don't think it's godly. So there are, what are the desires of my heart? Do they hinge around my relationship with him? Do they hinge around walking obediently and caringly and lovingly and showing others love in this context? Because if they are, God will keep supplying that type of desire right? because it's a godly desire isn't it no i'm not saying he doesn't want some people to be wealthy because actually there's lots to do in this world and we need wealthy christians to be able to facilitate funds and do all sorts of things and th there are many and um quite often uh, it was great listening to Sandeep last week, wasn't it? Really, so, so good to listen to Sandeep. Are we managing our finances well? In which case, God can bless us in those. If we're not, then it's difficult for God to give us plenty when we're squandering what we've got or managing it poorly. So when we're having a look at the desires of our heart, look, oh, is God meeting some of your desires? If you actually sat down and thought about it, uh, in my study there was this whole section about your true. <laughs> Above all, the heart is deceitful, and all those sorts of lovely scriptures that we avoid. Or we take to heart and see whether we can seek God in the midst of them. What is my truest desire? What is my hope for the future? What does that look like? What does it look like for you? Is it full of goodness? Is it full of blessing? Is it full of kindness and love so those are our three things that uh, I, I was looking at uh, i've come back to romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things through all things god works for the good of those who love him and have been called to his purposes we're called to his purposes so i'm finishing on three questions just about a minute over time What needs am I meeting outside of my own? Second question, how am I using my skills and my gifts for God? And the third question, what are my truest, deepest desires? And do they, do they really point in the direction of God? Because that's the journey I'm on. And if I'm on the right journey, you know, God is going to enable and empower and fulfill the victories in that journey, you know. So when we have a look at vocation, you can't go away from this wonderful thing that God has called us to do, this redemption of the world. All right, so I'm going to hand back to Adam in a moment, just, yeah, any second now, uh, as those th three questions, just ponder them. Um... Yeah, just ponder them.
listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.